The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you have received and which you stand, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance. I love that. First important, the most important thing, top foundation of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. That he was buried, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Church, this is it, and this is why we are here. This is why we are here. Not only why we are here today, but why we come here every week. This is, this is it. Um, we say all the time that we're a gospel-centered church. It's on all of our signage. It's on every page of our website. Gospel-centered, gospel-centered. It's not just a catchphrase. It's what we are as a church, but, but here's what this scripture tells me. According to scripture, so we're a gospel-centered church, but according to scripture, the gospel is centered around this. So at our core, this is it. This is, this is our core, and in and, and just a few verses later, this is why Paul says this, and if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. That's a huge statement. Later, he's going to say, and you should be pitied. If it wasn't for this, how is this for clarity? If Christ hasn't been raised, then all of this is for nothing. We might as well go home. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain. So in other words, without resurrection, there is no Christianity period. This is so core, um, so core to who we, we are. So over the last several weeks, we've taken a break from walking through Romans. And what we've done is we've looked at Jesus and we've, we've, we've focused our sights, kind of preparing our hearts for, for um, this morning when we, when we talk about that moment that he gave his life and took it up again and rose. And so this morning, I, I want to ask you, if you have your Bibles with you, grab them with me. Um, and open with me or scroll with me, however you get there, to John 11. John 11. Um, while you're getting there, John was one of Jesus' closest friends. Uh, John was one, the beloved one, the one of Jesus' disciples who means that he was one of the people who followed him around, who, who, who devoted his life to uh, Jesus of Nazareth. He was one of the men who were eyewitnesses to all that Jesus did. It was one of the men who heard him teach, laughed with him, walked with him, um, watched him as he did supernatural things. He was one of those who were there, right? This was John. And so, and what we know is that by the power of the Spirit, that, that John wrote it down. So I just wanted to throw that out there, that as we open your Bible, the, the Gospel of John, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at an eyewitness account who saw Jesus, who walked with Jesus, 
And that's what we're looking at, at today. Um, we're going to drop into to John 11, which is a particularly dark moment. Um, there was a man named Lazarus who was sick. And uh, this man was someone who was loved by Jesus. Jesus really cared for him. We're going to see that later. But he was sick, and, and uh, in, in chapter 11, he was, he was very sick. But we read in, in I'm not going to go through the whole thing, because we're going to hone in here in a bit on, on a couple verses, but we read in, uh, for example, in, in verse 6, that Jesus lingers, that he doesn't go right away. That's super frustrating. He doesn't go right away. He lingers. And, and um, then after this, we read in the text that Jesus tells his disciples, hey, it's time to go back to Judea because he says Lazarus has died. And we see this plan unfolding here. Um, verse 17 says that, uh, that when Jesus gets here, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Four days. I want to be clear here, too, right off the, the bat that it, it wasn't because this was really far away. You're going to read that it's a two-day, two-mile, sorry. So it's not like he had to walk for four days to get two miles. We can do that, right? Um, it was because Jesus was intentionally tarrying. Scripture said because he has a plan. And um, I want to point out something else that's kind of significant here um, to this four days. So in Jewish burial customs, I'm going to get technical for like two seconds, so please follow me, all right? Um, in Jewish belief and burial customs, there's this belief that, that um, the spirit of a person who had died would hover around the body for three days. I don't know if you've heard this before, but would hover around the, the body for three days, and it was their belief that it was hovering there to see if it was possible to re-enter re the body. But then, uh, on the third day, what happens? Well, the body starts to lose color. And it was at that moment that, according to the Jewish belief, that, that the, the, the spirit that was hovering would be locked out. It was over. And at this point, the spirit would then be obligated to go to what the Jewish people called Sheol, or the, 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 the place of the dead. And, and so this was significant because the third day, and the passing of the third day, represented the end of the mourning, uh, or the hope period. Of, of hoping that the spirit would re-enter. This represented the, the conclusion of hope, so to speak, for the ones in mourning and grieving. And I say this because in verse 17, this is where Jesus comes in and steps in in day four to a hurting room, to hurting people. He steps in and meets a grieving sister named Martha. And in verse 21, Martha says, Lord, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. What a faith statement. Then she says, uh, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. This is a statement of her faith. Lord, if you, if you would have only been here, like if you would only been here, this would have been different. You would have been able to heal. Things would have been different. I even know that now... Whatever you ask, God will give you. But if only you were here, Jesus. This is a statement that reveals Martha's faith in a, in a really powerful way. But as we're going to see this morning, um, I don't think she fully understood what she was saying yet. 
I don't think she fully grasped what was about to happen. Because Jesus responds to her in verse 23 with five huge words. Jesus says to her, verse 23 of John 11, your brother will rise again. It's a massive statement. And when Martha hears it, she believes it, and yet she doesn't know what she's talking about. Here's what I mean. In, in verse 24, Martha says to Jesus, after being told, hey, your brother's going to rise again, she says, I know. I got gotcha. you. I know. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. We're going to come back to that. But I know. I believe that there will be a resurrection in the end. But four days have passed. And if only you would have been here. If only you would have been here. And it was right into this that Jesus makes this profound and beautiful statement in the statement that we are going to be camping on for the rest of our time. Two short verses, um, verses 25 and 26. Let me just read them, and then we'll step back and kind of walk through them together slowly. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So I want to start, as we dig into this, by just making a few observations from this. You ready? Nope. We're going to do it anyway. All right. <laughs> a few observations. First, um, Notice what Jesus says. He does not say, I will bring resurrection in life. He doesn't say, I have the power of resurrection. I will give resurrection in life. No, Jesus makes one of his famous I am statements. I am. We, we find these statements in the Gospels. Each of them are significant. But here he says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not just something that Jesus will do. It's not just something for then and later, but Jesus says, I am. In fact, depending on your translation, so my font up here is in all caps, so it does not help us with this, but depending on your translation, um, the words resurrection and life might be capitalized. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? Well, because Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and life is an identity statement. It's a name statement. It's who he is. Um, when Jesus says, I am, it is who he is. I am the resurrection and the life. That's observation number one. Second observation here. Notice that Jesus does not only say, I am resurrection and I am life. What does he say? He adds this crazy article here, the the. Um, in other words, he does not say, I am a resurrection. I am a way. I am one of the ways, one of the powers, one of the means to resurrection. He does not say, I am a life, one of the ways, one of the roads, one of the means to get to life abundantly and eternally. He doesn't say that. Jesus the the same language that John will use, that Jesus will use in John 16, when he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is an exclusivity to this. 
Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. So first thing is I am. This is an identity statement. It's a name statement. Second thing is the. Um, it's, it's an exclusive statement. The way. All right. Third, now I want to look at these words, resurrection and life. First, I want to look at the resurrection. I am the resurrection. And I want to be clear here. Resurrection means coming from, from, from death to life. That's what it means. And um, it is a miracle, and it is by God's grace. What I, what I mean by this is in a fallen world, our world is marked by death. You and I know this. And it's not just on a human level. Everything dies. Like things die, animals, our plants, we die, our loved ones die. Our lives are marked by death. Ever since Genesis 3 in the fall, Death has been the distinguishing mark of life in a fallen world. It has been the distinguishing mark. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. Um, but in that verse in 623, it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, the free gift of God is the gift of resurrection, eternal life. Resurrection is God's gift in a fallen world of sin and death. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. What Jesus is saying here is, I am the answer to the sting of death. I am the antidote. Sin brought death, and now Jesus, by the grace of God, brings life and life after death. Uh, we started, uh, I started in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that says, um, where Paul was saying, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, first importance. That, that Jesus died in accordance with Scripture, that he, was, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day and in accordance with Scripture, that he appeared after his resurrection. I pointed out that, that Paul then said, if Christ had not been risen, then, then our preaching and faith is in vain. But I think we need to pull out one more Scripture here from this text. And it is 1 Corinthians um, 15, 17. Just a few verses later, it says, and if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile. There's the same thing. We've said that. But listen to this. And you are still in your sins. Without resurrection, church. Without resurrection, sin conquers and we are dead in our sins. If not resurrection, then your faith is vain, futile, worthless. And we are to be pitied. We are still in our sins. Death wins. In other words, if, if, if no resurrection... You are dead today and you will die. Let me explain that. If no resurrection, it's a double death here. This is super good news on this morning. We're getting to the good news. In order for the good news to be good, you gotta, you gotta know the bad news first. So this is double death. Double death in that you are dead spiritually in your sins today, like Ephesians 2 tells you, and that you will die physically when your time comes. Double. And it is into this reality that Jesus speaks to Martha and that he speaks to you. And he says, I am the resurrection. And I want you to hear me. According to scripture, just as we face a double death, 
the, the resurrection is double as well. And, and let me unpack this. It is both a spiritual and a physical resurrection, and both are so important to our faith. The first one is that our resurrection is spiritual. Um, this is one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture, if you're allowed to have a favorite, is Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, um, Paul says, And you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. There's Paul's version of all the bad news. But then, church, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Church, that is resurrection language. That is spiritual resurrection. It's what theologians call regeneration. This is the work of God in your life to bring you from death to life in Christ. Um, this, is, this is when he brings us, this is our salvation. And this is yours now today in Christ. Through faith in Christ, we are new creations. This is how we lived resurrected lives. How we live resurrected lives. Here in a moment, we are going to celebrate baptisms. I love celebrating baptisms. Here in a moment, we're going to celebrate baptisms. And, and what do we often say when we baptize? We, we often will say, buried with him in his death and raised to walk in newness of life. Right? right? What we're doing in baptism is celebrating the resurrected life. Amen. How Jesus brings Life to dead things. We're celebrating that, that spiritual resurrection. Um, there's a quote here. I love the way John Piper says this. Um, when you trust Jesus, your death is over. That is the coolest quote right there. When you trust Jesus, your death is over. That's the glory of the Christian gospel. We read this already, but death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It's like death, and this is a kind of a weird example, but it's like death is, is like a killer, killer bees. If I were to say there was killer bees everywhere in this room, you'd probably get up. We'd probably go into kind of a panic, probably getting out, clear out this room. But through Jesus, it's like the bee stingers have been removed. And what we're dealing with here is, is nothing more dangerous than a common house fly. That's the work of Christ. Your death is over. Or let me use biblical language because the B one was horrible. Um, <laughs> we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The, the shadow of death. Um, a shadow, as Spurgeon once said, we don't need to fear a shadow because the shadow of a dog does not bite. The shadow of a sword doesn't puncture. Right. 
the shadow. But the reality of death, your death is over. Your death is, is over. That is spiritual resurrection, and that is yours because Jesus Christ lives. Amen. That is yours in Christ because Jesus Christ lives, and he says, I am the resurrection. But I, I want you to hear me. It's not just spiritual. It's not just spiritual. Yes, it is spiritual, but it is also physical. Physical. Um, Jesus is not just dealing with spiritual realities here. Christianity is not a, um, a subjective feelings that float up in the cosmic clouds. Our faith is tied to reality. Our Christian faith is a real, tangible faith. The way I like to say it is it is a bodily faith. The Christian faith is a bodily faith. In, in other words, Jesus died. When he died, it was a real cross. He was buried in a real tomb. The stone was really rolled away. He didn't just resurrect in, in, in fluffy spiritual clouds. He got up physically, bodily, rose up. Our faith does not only rest in the spiritual resurrection, but our faith is in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that is why we are here this morning. That is why we are here this morning. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And one day, you will rise just like he did. That is our confidence. That is our hope. One day, you will rise just as he did. And when I say that, spiritually, yes. But bodily, physically, you will rise as he did, Scripture says. In other words, um, one day, you and I, we're not even going to walk through the shadow of death anymore. We're going to be walking in the full-blown light of Jesus where there's no shadow anymore. One day, death will be no more. No shadow will, will, will remain. See, right now, um, death has lost its bite and its sting, but there's coming a day, church, in Christ where death loses its shadow, too. And that's, praise God for the hope we have in him. Your spiritual resurrection, this is what we call regeneration. This is salvation. This physical resurrection is what we call glorification. And one day, one day we will walk as he walks. And death will be no more and Jesus will reign as the king. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Not only that, though, he says, I am, let's look at the second one, the life. Obviously, what is the opposite of death? Life. Let's say it. What's the opposite of death? Life. All right, perfect, perfect. This life that is, is, is on display here is both quantity and quality. I want to unpack this a little bit. Uh, when I say quantity, what I mean is eternal life. It does not end. This is John 3.16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. That's what this is. And this means that life with no end, ongoing and forever. We can, um, we, can, we can think about it this way. Actually, I say that. We really can't wrap our minds around this. Everything we have in our life has an expiration date. Everything. has an, From our milk. Um, I love bananas. Um, but I think I have six of them that were like perfect two days ago and completely done yesterday. Six ruined bananas because they have a shelf life of three seconds. Everything in our life has this expiration date tied to it. Even our so-called non-perishables. Give it some time. Give it some time. This is our norm. We are around temporal things with expiration dates, and yet the life that Jesus promises us is eternal. That is as smart as you are. You can't even begin to wrap your mind around that. There's no end. There's no termination. It's ongoing and forever. But here's the deal. It's not just quantity of years. It's not just that. It's also quality. And this is really important. Just because something lasts forever does not make it good. Like a dentist appointment that lasts forever is not good news. Quality, no offense if you are a dentist, but I... I stand by what I, what I say. No. Um, in fact, in Scripture, if you think about it, even hell itself is eternal. Ongoing and without end. Not everything that doesn't end is good. So what is the quality of this eternal life that you are promised in Jesus? John 10.10 says the the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life. Life eternally and abundantly. It is a never-ending good life. It is a never-ending abundant life. Resurrection, spiritual in physical life, eternally and abundantly. Jesus says, I am. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And real quick, I think it's important we contrast this with the words of Martha. In verse 24, what did she say? I know, I know. He, my brother, will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. In her statement, she says, I know that the resurrection is later on the last day. I know that the life is later on the last day. Martha believed that. She did. Can we call out an irony here? Here's the irony. Who was Martha talking to? She was talking to The I am. I am the resurrection 
I am the light. In other words, she was saying, you know what? I know that resurrection and life are coming then and later while she was standing in front of the, the resurrection and life. There's an irony here. There is an irony here. She's standing in front of, talking to the resurrection and the life in the flesh, saying that she knows it'll happen later. There's an irony here, and it's an irony I think we can all see in our lives, especially here on an Easter Sunday morning. Because I think it's, it's easy to come to a service like this and think backward to that moment when Jesus rose and to, to think forward to that moment on the last day when, praise God, but I think it's really easy for us to miss the resurrection in life today who is with us, standing with us. And to Martha and to you, these seven words are so beautiful and powerful. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. I love preaching texts like this. Um, the reason why I love it is because it preaches itself. Uh, it really does. Jesus is laying out for us this, this, this sermon for us. And I, and I want you to look at what he says here. Let's go back to our text. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Now listen to what he, he, he says here. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So remember, we're dealing with shadows, church. Shadows. And he says, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Remember, Christian, when you trust Jesus, your death is over. Jesus is calling us to remember that. But there is an important word. We're, I'm going to make one more observation this morning. There's an important word that Jesus himself brings out three times. And it's the word believe. Believe. Um, whoever believes in me, though he die, will live. And again, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe is the word meaning to put our trust in to place our confidence in, to consider as true and worthy, to entrust ourselves, to believe, trust, faith. That is that word, believe. In church, all throughout scripture, your salvation has always been based on grace through faith, believing and trusting. We read in the earliest pages of scripture with Abraham. What do we read about Abraham? That he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. And in other words, it wasn't righteousness on his own, but he was counted as righteous through faith. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And there has never been any other way. Ever. Ever. And here, Jesus says, listen, Belief is the key to resurrection because Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Belief is the key to life. And Jesus says, I am the life. And so Jesus then, because that's true, asks us the question. The question of the sermon, the question of the text. Jesus asks us this. Straightforward. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Another way to think about this question, and I want you to put yourself in Martha's shoes. Jesus here is looking at Martha, looking at you, looking at me. 
And Jesus is asking, do you trust me? I'm going to let that marinate. Do you trust me? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you trust? Do you trust me? While we sit with that, I want us to just kind of finish out this scene real quickly. Because as Jesus drops that question on us, he then steps into the pain and you see this mourning and weeping. You even see... um, Uh, how greatly troubled Jesus was. And as Jesus wept, right? We see that here in this text. In verse 40, we see that Jesus says to Martha, um, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe, there's our word again, that you sent me. And in church, in, in verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out. Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Listen to this. Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out. <laughs> Lazarus, come out. So the resurrection and the life says Lazarus come out, and he came out, church. Jesus still has that power. The power to say to you, come to life. The power to make dead things not dead. To breathe life. In Lazarus, we see this beautiful example and picture of the power of Jesus over death, hell, and the grave. We see a demonstration, but church, it's just a taste. It's a foretaste, a picture of what was to come. Because this morning, listen, we're not here to celebrate the resurrection of Lazarus. Because there would be another. There would be another tomb. There would be another stone that was rolled away. There would be another resurrection. We are here to celebrate the resurrection and the life. The one who died and rose and defeated death. Christ, the power of God. He called Lazarus to get up and and to walk out of the tomb. And church, just just as Christ, through the power of God, would one day get up and walk out of his borrowed tomb. Just as Christ, through the power of God, brought life back into Lazarus' physical body. Christ, through the power of God, would rise. And, and, and he would also bring life back into the physical bodies of those who believe in him. This scene is a foretaste, a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do in his own life and in the life of those who believe in him. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And I want to point out one more thing here. Um, as Jesus says this, as he says, hey, whoever believes in me, not going to die. Whoever believes in me, though you die, you're going to live. As Jesus makes these claims, church, this Easter, I need you to hear me. These words did not just come from an ordinary man. They did not just come from 
from a, a good teacher or, or you know, a religious rock star of his day. These words did not come from the lips of an ordinary man. These words came from the mouth of the Son of God who was sent for the forgiveness of our sins, the one who would lay down his life and take it back up again. The one who rose from the dead. These are his words. So in other words, the one promising resurrection is the one who resurrected. This is huge. The one promising resurrection is the resurrection in life. And Jesus is saying here to you, looking at you and asking, saying, whoever believes in me, trusts me, places their trust, their confidence, their faith in me. Though you die, you're, you, you shall live. Jesus here is, is saying to you, whoever believes in me, trusts in me, places their trust, their confidence and faith in me, ultimately, you shall never die. Because your death is over in Jesus. And so the question for us then is simple. It's the question that Jesus asked Martha. And it's the question that scripture this morning is asking us, and it is simply this. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is alive and risen? Do you believe that we are saved by grace through faith alone? Ultimately, this is the question that Jesus is asking you. Do you trust me alone? Do you trust me? Do you believe me? This is the most important question that you will ever answer in your life. Do you trust him? Jesus here is asking what I'm going to call the Easter question. 2022 Easter question, do you believe this? That's it. Do you believe this? I want to end this, uh, this morning in a bit of a different way. Um, there is a statement of faith that the early church developed. It's been said by thousands of believers. Um, this statement was developed thousands of years ago. Brothers and sisters have been saying this statement um, throughout all of the church. And the statement of faith uh, is, is, has been called a creed. And specifically, it became known as the Apostles' Creed. And here's what I'd like to, to do. I'd like to end our time this morning in this text with a response. And it's not just a response that I want to make and pray something um, I would love to end our time together with a response that all of us make. Um, the Apostles' Creed is a list of statements that simply says, I believe. We believe. As you're saying it, I want you to imagine not just being surrounded by the brothers and sisters in this room, but all the brothers and sisters across this globe the church throughout the ages, linked arms saying, we believe, I believe, I believe. In a very real sense, the church has said this creed together as our way of answering Jesus' question. Jesus' question, do you believe this? And today, we say yes. We believe. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, then as we say this together, let this be a proclamation of your faith, Amen. saying, yes, 
Jesus, I believe. If you are here and, and this morning, you are not sure. Um, if you are here and, and this morning you are searching, if, if you are here and you, man, through this time in the scripture, your heart has been provoked and prompted by God. And you're here. And as we've been spending time in the word, you, you, you believe. Then listen, let this be in this moment a proclamation of your faith. A response to Jesus' question that says, yes, I believe. Because the Bible says that as we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we, that you will be saved. And I believe with my whole heart that the time of salvation is now, that resurrection Sunday. There's no better time to walk in newness of life. So do you believe that? Do you believe Christ today? I want to invite you. Would you stand with me this morning? And I would love to just respond to Jesus' question by reading this together. Would you read it with me? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.